Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They take a 15% cut of that. So... When you add that up uh, with the Airbnb fee, there's really probably 20% plus that's going out in expenses. Um, so understanding those numbers and the work involved. You want to get an investment property, you want to get as much return as possible. A common question is, can I use Airbnb to get the tenants? I sent you a text this morning. You did? With the topic for today. Yeah, very well prepared. I know. I know. They're all saying that, oh, you're not prepared. I'm like, hey, you've had four hours notice. Yeah. Could could I be more prepared? It was, and it looked very professional. It wasn't um, wasn't personalized. So I thought it was actually out to the greater group. It was like yeah, right. maybe just eight of us turning up today to yeah. trash out Airbnb. No, no, just yeah. us. I've asked you to do three pros and three cons. Mm. And generally, we will get an overlap because yes. we're very like-minded. All right, let's talk about Airbnb. Should you use it as a tenancy arrangement for your investment property? You're listening to My Millennial Money. You see, we think we're like a Persian rug. Just roll us out and walk all over us. <laughs> I, full disclosure, I don't have an investment property that I use uh, my tenancy income mm. via Airbnb. No. Do you, John? Not specifically. Sure. I have done it in the past. Yep. Um, it's been a short-term thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't continued to do it and it hasn't been a strategy of mine. However, I have gone deep into the pros and cons of doing it personally. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm well, okay. this is your podcast this now. Over to you. This is it. So your first pro of using Airbnb to put mm. a tenant in your investment property. Yeah. So I think the obvious pro for, for most people who look at it is the the high yield that it represents uh, over a short period. So as opposed to getting $500 a week in your rent, if you were having a long-term tenant in place, you might be looking at... $150 a night or 200 a night sure. for that same property yeah. um, over a short-term period. And for those who might not know that lingo, yield is return. So when you yield something, you receive mm-hmm. it or it comes to you. So um, high rental return. Yeah. So your gross yield is very different from your net yes. yield. But essentially speaking, your gross yield is your is your rent per week times 52 weeks yeah. divided by your actual purchase price of the sure. property. And question, uh, is your, like that first pro for you, is that your best or are you saving the best till last? Because I just need to get this. Look, I, I don't see this as a competition today. I just want to outline three pros and three cons. Okay. And, and, no, okay. Uh, well, mine are in no particular order then. Yeah, mine aren't either. Yeah. Uh, my first pro is you can actually use the property yourself at times. A good one. Uh, and in brackets I put, but don't do it in peak times. Mm. 
um, and not in your self-managed super fund. Now, the whole thing there is I've kind of looked through this lens as uh, pros and cons. If you're doing Airbnb in a holiday area, mm-hmm. like in on the beach somewhere in the you know in the mountains or yeah. you know the hinterlands or at the snowfield. So yeah. I'm doing this through the lens of not your garden variety suburban suburban yes house yeah suburbia. Um, so yeah, that was my kind of one. Um, yeah. Okay, that's good. Thanks. Yeah, I like that. Thanks, John. Mm. Is it on your pro list? I've taken it off now. Okay. Well, you better think of <laughs> think of another one. Nah, and mine probably, my second one stems from the fact that it has got a higher gross yield uh, in the short term is uh, potentially the banks will look favourably from a servicing perspective, i.e. the income that's coming in against that property over a 52-week period could be higher than the, the long-term um, income that you're getting from a tenant so the servicing uh, will be increased as a result of that which means you may be able to borrow more for future lending so just on that one john it's actually good that you had that as one of your points because valerie in the facebook group asked do banks treat the income from airbnb the same as normal rent and i'm i was kind of thinking oh yeah they should because it's just it's ultimately income that that property produces right Mm. Uh, so i tagged genevieve uh, Fordham and James Millard, who are good friends of the show, they're mortgage brokers. Yep. Um, and it was a bit of a race. And Genevieve said, if it's an existing property, they'll need to see uh, the income on the tax return, which I guess would be pretty normal anyway. If it's like, Glenn, I want to buy a house tomorrow, yep. uh, they would just use market rents and yep. project it based on that. So th- the short answer is, Valerie, that it's um, it's not a showstopper. No. And like anything, if you've got history of it, it's going to enhance your position. I guess, but to your point, like if your third property was in a ski town and it prints money on Airbnb, that's good for your next property. Yeah, yeah. It just means there's more income coming into your life, which is obviously going to help with with your normal income as well. One of the pros that I had was that it's, for want of a better word, it's actually prepaid rent and there's almost no risk of not receiving rent because often on Airbnb, they're prepaying. Like I've just booked uh, for eight nights in New York City yeah. and just had to pay the three grand. Yeah. So that's an advantage. It's cash in the door. Before, before you've actually gone and stayed there. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. it's just there's less chance of the tenant yeah. missing a week if it was out in suburbia or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. So, no, for sure. That's a good pro. Mm. Um, yeah. Can you hit me back on that one, John? <laughs> not that it's a competition. No, it's not. Um, look, the, the fact that it's short-term rental gives you the ability to be flexible on when you can use it if you wanted to. Okay. If it was a desirable location, then you can use it. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's an asterisk next to that comment. Yeah. But... The bare facts are that if you rent it out for a week short term, that the following week when it's vacant, you can go and stay there if you want to. Yeah, that's right. And it kind of goes back to you copying my first point about that. Uh, was that was that your first point? I yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, no. It, no. It, because I, I'll give you an example. The strategy doesn't work. And I'll use the example of the townhouse Sorry, he just clicked his pen and I just looked at him. I don't even need to speak. I don't don't even need to speak anymore. (laughs) Um, I use the example of uh, Dyer, the lady who owns 
her unit in my little three mm-hmm. complex. Yep. She basically puts hers on stays or whatever in peak Easter, long weekend and Christmas and yes. prints money. Yes. Now, if you're doing this as a strategy, you're not doing it first and foremost as a strategy. Oh, it'd be cool to have a holiday house mm-hmm. up the coast. Yeah. So, we can go up there. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you yeah. get a cheeky week off in the middle of winter and it's empty, then go and use that's it. That's right. And that's probably one of the most common conversation points I have around uh, with clients is uh, I want this holiday shack and I can short-term rental, but I can go and stay in it when I want. Yeah, right? but and usually when you want is when everyone else wants. Premium times, yeah. yeah. And when I go and stay there, all I'm doing is looking at the walls that need to be painted and the garden that needs to be weeded yeah. and everything else. Yeah, so mm. I'm probably not in. I'm probably not in favour of like the holiday house thing anyway. Yeah. Unless, do you want to go halves in like a farm shack somewhere, a couple of acres? Now you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. You've you've hit my yeah. emotional nerve in farm. That's. I was thinking yeah. the other day. Yeah. I wouldn't mind buying a cheeky couple of acres somewhere. Yeah. Even up, you know, Buckets Way or something like that. Motorbikes and horses. All and, that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> now, I suppose just to clarify, we're talking about investment property, Airbnb. Yes. We're not talking about so specifically owner-occupied Airbnb at your own occupier, right? Y- yes, we are. Yeah. But back to Di's point, she lives there. Yes. And when she travels for that month she goes overseas, yeah. she puts it on stays and pays for her accommodation overseas. Yeah. So for me, I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah. And I probably need to do that with my house, don't I? You should be doing that and, and go on. Well, it mightn't work in your instance because the amount you would charge out per night wouldn't equate to the amount you go and spend elsewhere. That's true. So, but Di would, I assume, yeah. she might get 10 grand over summer to uh, rent her place out. Yep. She might go and cost her three grand to stay somewhere else. Vietnam, yeah. Vietnam or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've done that personally and I think it's a no-brainer if you're not emotionally wrapped up in people sleeping in your house. Yes. And what I was thinking, because my main room's got an ensuite and a walk-in room, I could just lock that door up completely. Yes, correct. And then there's two rooms, knock yourself out. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so strictly speaking, we are talking about if it was an investment property far away mm. or whatever. Stacking it up against long-term. And realistically, John, like it would be far away because I wouldn't buy one down at Terrigal and do it. Why not? Well, it would have to be the right market cycle in my local area. Yeah, but I suppose a lot of investors don't go that deep into their research. They sure. would just see, okay, I can rent that out at $300 a night, going to cost me 600 grand to buy, and, and away I go. Yeah, I and, and I would probably say with your projections, be ultra conservative. Totally, yeah. And that's where, I, I don't know, there's not enough history on it to, to see what's happened the last 20 years or 30 years of Airbnb, but I, I would say a lot can be stung because of the, the higher projections. Yeah. Okay, so your third point, short-term uh, flexibility, basically, uh, which ties in with my first point that you could use it anytime you want. Mm. Now, my third pro... And this is so funny. You can't freaking make this crap up. My third pro is basically the same as your first pro, which is there's the possible higher rent yield. Yes, your gross yield. So, yeah. Well, effectively, I mean, your net yield would be too, but I'll get on to my cons in a moment about that. Yeah, and I always talk about possible because it's cute that oh, I can get $350 a night during mm. these peak seasons. Yeah. But what happens when it's a beachside town in the middle of winter and it's raining? Yes, yes, yes. So it's... um. Now oh, that was, I've actually got. Oh, here we go. Three point A. <laughs> listen, fans. Yeah, here's the three point A. Possible 
as a pro, if I was going to do a fourth mm-hmm, pro, mm-hmm. Um, you've outsourced the advertisement to Airbnb. Uh, yes, in majority cases. Which you're yeah. not having to deal with a local rental manager mm-hmm. up at Foster and, you know, the signs in the window contact yeah. the local real estate. Yeah. To, or, I don't know. It was just a side thought. Yeah, no, it's a good one. And to, to create my own 3.8, yeah. <laughs> the, the flexibility of, well, I wake up in a month's time and I want to sell the property. I know that I've only got a short-term lease there that might end in a week's time. Well, you don't even have a lease or Or don't even have a lease. So it means I don't have to wait for the tenant to move out for me to be able to advertise and, and sell mm. the property if I want it vacant. Yeah, and yeah. if I was going to do a, a Pro 5 when you were <laughs> selling it, you can actually put that it's as a, and you, this is an investment property. It's been leased out on Airbnb. You have had. This is a yield, yeah. Get like, so I don't know. Yeah. You could so you've bits. created another one on the back of mine. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Negatives. Now, the negatives. Yeah. All right. So, this is a little bit out of the box thinking oh, here. Look out. I'm, I'm saying I'm not entirely convinced where it's all going with council regulations. And they could, it could come a time where if you've based your whole strategy of buying a property for Airbnb purposes and cash flow, um, et cetera, that one change in your council regs could abolish your strategy altogether. Yeah, and I think what we've seen there, particularly in Manhattan, they've banned it. Have they? Yeah, and you look at a lot of the um, Airbnb things and they stress like when you're rocking up, if anyone in the building asks what you're doing, you're a friend staying at a friend's house. Right. Do not use those magic syllables. Yeah. So it's a real thing, John. Um, Mm. Yeah, and and there's all... There's always talk in, in local areas about um, up till 3 a.m. and, and st- stipulations in strata, blocks that no Airbnb and et cetera. I wonder but, if it's like just a stigma thing. Mm. Like, oh, it's Airbnb. And it's like, well, just use stays.com and tell people that it's it's not Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, don't know. I, I could see it as we get older that you could be quite annoyed by the fact that People are always coming and going from the unit next door. I can yeah. definitely see that. But I think on the flip side, you you buy in a strata complex knowing that you're always going to have other neighbours yeah. close by. The house behind stuff. me, which is, you've seen that smaller, two better. Yeah. It's on its own little battle axe. Yeah, um, that's the one you wanted to buy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to buy half of Blue Bay, everyone. You won't let me. Um, that was actually Airbnb'd. Okay. Well, it was through stays. Yeah. And... And we can kind of get onto the property management side because there are some questions. Mm. But like the the older lady next door to that used to be the one who'd do the watering the lawns. And yeah, okay. Yeah, my con, my first con, and it probably is one of the biggest considerations, when you look at holiday real estate, so you look at classic Gold Coast real estate, mm. uh, possibly real estate uh, in the hinterlands or um, at the beach, these premium type suburbs, the markets can be very volatile in a short period of time Mm. or if it's like a lake house somewhere. um, In bad economic times, there aren't as many people buying Mm. these luxury real estate locations basically. Um, So that's just a a con. And that's why I probably wouldn't do it as my first or second property. Mm. Uh, I may do it a little bit down the the line if yeah, I was going to go a bit more of a speculative play yeah but 
when we get on to point three, it's one of the reasons I'll probably never do it. But yeah, um, yeah it's it just can be high volatility in mm. terms of the capital price. And if your situation changes, you need to offload that cycle. Yeah. And it's the Gold Coast property year and it's 30% yeah. down, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, true. Yep. So, yep. No, that's good. What's another con yeah. that you've got? My second con is workload slash maintenance. So as a result of having short-term stays, more often than not, your your property would cop a bit more of a beating from yeah. the from the tenant or the short-term um, accommodation stay versus having a long-term tenant that has an inspection every few months and, and is a bit more controlled. Yes. So, yeah, it would be the upkeep as how much that may cost you um, and, and to factor in the time associated with dealing with that. Yeah, yeah. A second con that I've got, and it's probably more an emotional con, if – if the yield for the property was good over the course of the year, right? Getting to that first year could be the hardest part to actually yeah. see where it lands. Uh, and you might have weeks of low or no rent mm. for that property yeah. throughout the year. And that's an emotional play if you actually haven't committed to the strategy and really seen a couple of cycles, yeah, um, yeah. holiday cycles. So that's that's a real one there that... You know, for example, what if I'm making something up? You did, you purchased it on the slopes, mm. and one year is the worst snow season on the planet. Yeah, I mean this year's good because snow was early. Yeah, um, the projections are out. Yeah, so that's that's a possible risk there. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, that's good. That ties a little bit with my third one of of competition, which is a really a supply and demand thing. Where if you've um, if you've got every person and their dog doing it then do you have to lower your um, price per night? Yeah. And does that affect the whole bottom line, which is really the whole reason that people go into it. So if I was getting 400 a night and because of competition, I'm now getting 250, all of a sudden it's um, it's no longer the attractive yield that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I would agree because going into my last point and just to be concise, I've kind of bundled a couple of points into my last con. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you touched on it was, um, yeah, the risk of the property damage because it's more people turnover. But for me, the reason why I would not do it myself, I don't think, is the drama of mm. putting up with bookings. Yeah, no, you're not good with drama. No. no. And then the admin of it yeah. and oh, you're getting a phone call. And yes, you can outsource a lot of this mm. to local companies or different people like the lady next door who, yeah. you know, they paid her to look after the property. and yeah. But you're always going to get the phone call. Yeah, well, the the buck stops with you as the owner, doesn't it? And Um, I mean, when I stayed in Brooklyn last year at an Airbnb, um, it said it had an iron, but someone had stolen the iron and this lady lived two hours out of town. Mm. And she's like, oh, I'll have to get an iron to you. Yeah. So she had to drive in for whatever she's like. So (laughs) just the drama, like at the end of the day, because what you're doing then, you're actually then managing your ongoing reviews and expectations yeah. for the next purchaser or That's the next right. renter. So yeah, it's a whole other world. Review, aren't you? Well, like this podcast. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and um, yeah. we are trying, um, but and I guess we're just going to do what we can, the best we can and learn, yeah. learn more over the time. But yeah, particularly with that, for me, it's just I just don't know if I can be bothered. Yeah, and and that's the whole going back to the workload slash maintenance thing is is the workload 
is great for someone that's got the mindset to go and do that and they they can get some some great wins out of it if they're prepared to put in the work but just realize that it does come at some sort of cost whether that be time or money money through maintenance Mm. um time through workload now you, you mentioned before about the fees to outsource so in even in the last two years airbnb have have put up their fees to to list with them so that cost is is ever increasing but also to outsource like i've got a friend who actually runs an outsourcing business in torquay in victoria right and they do all that manage that on the behalf of someone like yourself that can't be screwed doing any of it yeah and and, um they take a 15 percent cut of that so when you add that up uh, with the Airbnb fee, there's really probably 20% plus that's going out in expenses. Um, so understanding those numbers and the work involved. So let's recap. Um, your top pros, John, were possible high gross yield over a short period of time. The banks may look more favorably on your serviceability, particularly for your next property. And then the short-term rental gives you flexibility, I guess, if you want to use the property yourself. Uh, My pros were you can use it yourself whenever you want, uh, just not in your self-managed super fund. And if you want to know more about self-managed super fund, just Google Glenn James, how to buy a property in your super or something like that will come up, will be the first article. The prepaid rent thing and um, it removes the risks of not having rent paid. Mm -hmm. One of my pros, again, possible higher rent yield and 3B, you can outsource the ad bin or the um, the advertisement yeah. with Airbnb with their fee. John, your cons were firstly the legislative risk, which means if the council change the rules mm. or they legislate that you can't do that in an area like in New York City. The second one was the workload slash maintenance issue on the property. What was your – that was the second one actually. What was your yeah. third one? Uh, it was a whole supply and demand thing. Oh, yeah, supply and, so, yeah. supply and demand. Not, and not just through other, other households, actually – Airbnb aren't the only ones doing it. Like most, um, like stays and those guys are, are advertising uh, yeah. overnight rates, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and my cons were high capital volatility, um, particularly in the touristy or holiday areas. Um, and that's it. It's like this high. It's the risk reward spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. High risk, high return. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. So. Uh, possible periods of low or no rent and again risks of property damage and the drama of putting up with bookings mm. and people and mm-hmm. and all that stuff so as your yeah. before we move on to the next section and i think that's i hope that's helped you out there um if you have thought about the airbnb thing uh, and again if you want to do it knock yourself out i think it's great yeah. because there could be a way that you could actually make more money but just be very very conservative with your um, projections yep. and go into it uh, knowing that that's the strategy that you're doing and and commit to it for at least two or three years, I would think. Yeah. Like anything, you don't want to buy growth assets and sell within five years. Yeah, that's right. And you raised a point before about uh, Airbnb favourable locations, whether it be the snow or the Gold Coast or somewhere like that. I don't... I wouldn't recommend it being your overall strategy to go and find one of those locations and for the sake of Airbnb. Yes. If it works that your property is rentable through Airbnb and it is in demand, then great. 
but I don't think that performs or, or forms your overall strategy, yes. number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other final comments on the issue? The the final piece that I have is the the last house that we owned, we did it over a summer period. And I think if we ever rented that out, it would have fetched about $600 per week. Um, through Airbnb, we were able to rent it for about 380 per night, right, over about a 15-day period when we were away. So we went down to country Victoria, uh, cost us nothing down there to stay because we are with family. Um, so it was definitely a, a, a massive positive from a cash flow perspective, but we did have to deal with certain things through that 15-day period. So it wasn't just all, here's 10 grand in your pocket, don't do anything. Yeah, it's not free money. Yeah, so be prepared for that. And also if you're doing that, it's classified as income on your tax return. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I would say as well, like as an example, people may or may not know that, and I won't give away John's personal information, that he's got well over four, five, six, I don't actually know. He's got a lot of investment properties, right? More than me. He does not have an Airbnb property in his portfolio. You don't have to comment on that, John. On me, I would just say, you know, I've got my house that I live in. I've got my investment property. I've got an off the plan happening. You can see that's kind of my my first investment property was low risk. My second one, high risk, off the plan. Yep. Um, I'm certainly not doing the Airbnb strategy as my first ticket, mm. my first property, whether I'm rent vesting or whatever. Yeah. Uh, because it is that risk and reward uh, table. And you just want to make sure that you've had a bit of experience with dealing with properties. Yeah. And if that means bread and butter, home, boring, try mm. that first. Yeah. And it can be really, really attractive. Like, And don't try and outgame the system on your first property. Yeah. Just chill out. Like, there's a long no- game. Yeah. yeah. And look, another example, we had friends a couple of years ago who did a lap around Australia with their two kids and they had a structure in place where short-term rental for the for the whole year um, and obviously it wasn't rented out every night of the year but they had friends close by that could manage that process for them and it basically gave them close to a free trip around Australia, right? Yeah. And that, that's, the, that's the glory side of what Airbnb can do. So it is very attractive but like anything, there's, uh, there's cons and we've just got to take those into account for you. Yeah, and there's a, there's a website or something called HouseSwap which is kind of yep. cool as well. I know someone who swapped the house in Mossman in Sydney mm. with one in Paris in France and they just cool. kind of... Are you sick of living week to week or perhaps not having any money saved or even stressing out when Rego comes around? It might feel that your life just goes round and round and round because your money's going round and round and round. I've got a solution. We can change your life within a matter of weeks. It's the Glen James Spending Plan. People who have completed this course have paid off credit card debt, have money saved, feel more free than ever before. And this will happen within the first couple of pay cycles. So follow the link in the show notes wherever you listen to this podcast, use the promo code and change your life like hundreds of My Millennial Money listeners have done so already. I look forward to seeing you in the course and helping you really sort your money out. Ali Davidson on the Facebook group says, I have a question about managing an investment property. My parents are wanting me to manage a potential new investment property for them. I would be a live-in manager. 
what are some tips and tricks of managing a property as a live-in manager? Now, I'm going to assume that this is a farm stay, Airbnb. Like, this can't be a house three streets away in suburbia because if I'm renting a property, um, I don't want the live-in manager (laughs) in my third room. So, it's, it's obviously a property that... Maybe it has a guest house, it's a property, it might be some pseudo venue. Again, we don't know all the details, but... Yeah. So, she's basically saying she's the landlord and the tenant. Well, it's the parents buying this property and she wants... The parents want her to be the live-in manager. So, the property manager and the tenant in one, as well as renting out various other parts of the... The property. The property. Yeah, I would imagine if I can read between the lines. Yeah, look, I'm not that opposed to the idea as long as she's aware of how much work she has to do to, to make that work for, for her parents and and it's working for her her time in her life. It's great for mum and dad because they get a handle on it because their daughter's there. So I think it could potentially work. Yeah, I would probably tell Ali, uh, and I'm just going to stand up because sitting's the new smoking, John, you bloody addict over there sitting down. <laughs> Um, any any of these deals and when there's family involved and there's a bit of an attachment, mm. do things – I'll reword this. I would – just trying to reword this, Ali. What I would say to your parents is the live-in manager, obviously there's the guest, the manager's quarters, for example, okay? Ask your parents how much is it to rent that spot there, Okay. They might say it's two thirty a week or whatever it is. Okay, I don't know, four hundred a week. Then it's a two edged sword. It's like you you've got to be at the position where you need somewhere to live anyway. I would imagine. Yeah, because you're not moving just to oh, I'm doing them a favor. No, that's right, and that's where I think it can be a really good win win if the emotions kept out of it, and it's a business relationship from that point of view yeah and if it is a business relationship well more so because it's family this is what Mm. i would recommend and if you want to go back and edit this podcast i might be wrong and think i've said that wrong but off the top of my head say okay if it's four hundred dollars for that room i will pay you four hundred dollars market rent for that room okay then i want you to pay me the cost that you would pay a third-party manager. Mm-hmm. If it, so, for example, if yeah. the room for live-in was just another room that people could rent and the manager wasn't a live-in, I think we need to just have everything kind of siloed a little bit. Yeah. So, it's like, okay, I'm paying market rate for this room. You are paying me to manage the place and I'm spending X amount of hours. The advantage of me being your daughter is I care that little bit more. That's right. Yeah, it's it's in the family. And then if it's their prerogative, see, then this is it. Like, Because, for example, if they go live there for free and manage it for us, mm. it can get blurry because resentment can kick in. And it's like you might feel that I'm doing all this work and it's not really worth it. Yeah. And no, you it's... whinge about them to your sisters or your brothers yeah. or conversely, oh, we're giving her this place for free and she's not even managing it right. Yeah. Like. For me, that's why when it's relatives, I think it does need to be a bit more siloed. Yeah, and it, it's got to be win-win and it's it's got to be as though, as you said, there is a property manager getting paid real rates for it. Yeah, so that, yeah because you, if I was, and for me, it wouldn't be a question for them. If I'm speaking to her parents, I'd be saying, okay, what if Ali um, 
decides and well, I'll just assume, I have no idea, but what if Ali is single, mm. she's living there, what if she meets the love of her life in Brazil yeah. and moves away next week? Yeah. The strategy isn't built around we're kind of getting free management because it's more of a false economy for their own business. Yeah, that's right. And in a way, it reminds me of, again, I get this asked a lot, is my my kids going away to university, I'm going to buy a a, a house oh, in that university town oh. and they can live in it and oh, they can just rent, the rent other them rooms a bloody out place. There's <laughs> um, a little bit of that to it. So just, yeah, you've, you've got to know the, the pitfalls. So I think, yeah, I would go into it with the, have the conversation to them. If you weren't the living manager, mm. how would you help them get a living manager? That's right. And it might be a slightly subsidized rent because, you know, if you get that one phone call of a night, and I've got a friend who was a living manager at a property that was a similar thing like this up on the mountain. Uh, and I could probably ask him, but it's probably it's such a rarity. But yeah, just think if I was not in this situation, mm. how would I would how would I want my parents to go about this? Yeah. So yep. Maria asks, and this is similar, what to look for in a property manager buying investment property interstate that needs renovation is it a good idea uh what to look for in a property manager well well okay so well that question john it's two parts mm. so let's just ask for what to look for in a property manager number one yeah well it's in my mind it's the whole property management team because it's very it's a very transient role that um employees work in in that space i think who you've got as a property manager now will probably not be the property manager in 12 months time and i know that for a fact um so who are you dealing with as a whole as in the whole real estate agent firm and what do they what do they stand for um and if if the property manager goes who have they what what's their systems in place so that's probably the the first part of it and then I mean, it, it's not all about the fees. No. Like, and that's where usually people go to first, don't they? It's like, oh, can I get 6% or or 7% or 8%? Like, it's really about the level of service and the ongoing service, but the ability to say, well, this group is no longer doing what I need um, from them, so I'm going to move on. Yeah, and you can't outsource responsibility. Mm. You just can't. Like, it's your property. You yeah. are responsible. Yeah, and I've always said that a bad tenant is actually your fault, not the property manager, because you've employed the property manager to do a role for you. Yeah, and I had a bad tenant, and I knew that I shouldn't have accepted them, mm. but I did. Mm. I think, I, I don't know what I was thinking, and but that's on me. Yeah. And I've had a recent, I'm using the same company to manage a property. Um, the person who I used at the start, she's no longer with that business. Mm. Now, this new person, I've only actually talked to via email mm-hmm. maybe it's probably if they're listening they wouldn't even know but maybe call me and just say hi but yeah. realistically i haven't bothered that much because i know that every three months i get a report in my email yeah. with photos throughout the property um the admin is great in the background like mm-hmm. i've got my terry Sheer landlord insurance bill yeah. uh, and i still haven't organized automatic debit um i think every year i'm thinking oh, i'll do that and then i haven't they sent me the bill and I've just forwarded it over to the real estate. Yeah. And I got my thing last night in the email. Hey, we received this. We've paid X, Y, Z, council rates, Terry Shear. We're giving you that. So yeah. I think it's – and Google their business name. Yeah. <laughs> Look for reviews. Yeah. And, and bare minimum, property management teams today should be paying all your bills on your behalf. I wouldn't 
take that on myself. No. Always outsource that to them. That's what you're paying them for. Yeah. They should be giving you at least three visits a year, if not more. Yeah. And that should be full of photos, if not videos. Um, they should be transparent with if the tenant was uh, a week late on rent, this is what we're doing about it, this is our action steps. Um, and there shouldn't be any hidden surprises where you realise that, okay, the tenant hasn't paid for a month. Like yeah. that's a sign of, of a, a property management team letting yeah. you down. If someone said to me, oh, your tenant hasn't paid for a month, I can tell you they wouldn't be my property manager no. two seconds later. Correct. And also get your property manager in their report, ask them to write, what did the, what did the place smell like? Mm. Yeah. Because that's, that's an interesting one. The other part of it in regards to renovation, I've always had a rule of thumb and... Oh, yeah, that's part two, yeah. Yeah, so part two is is what do we do with a renovation interstate, basically, Oof. wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. I've always had this philosophy personally. I, I, I buy new sight unseen yeah. and local is my fixer-upper sort of thing. Now, that's not practical for everyone, but I get more of a hands-on view when I'm local. Um, if there is the ability to renovate something interstate, then you've unfortunately or fortunately, depending which way you look at it, you've got to get down there and be present for at least the start of the and meet your team and and be really hands-on. Otherwise, you can potentially get taken for a ride. Yeah, and I would probably say the same thing. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like if there was a shack somewhere, like I've got family on the Gold Coast and there was an opportunity and it was too good not to do, for Mm. example... I'd probably up there, I'd be looking for local recommendations for builders and I'd be saying, hey, very clear, you can do this, um, but I don't care if it's snowing on the Gold Coast, every week I want a freaking photo out the front or key things that have been done that week Mm. and be very clear with them because this is it. We make the bed we lay in and I've got clients that have had some recent business troubles and it all goes back to, no, you fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, that's it, right. It's your fault. And yeah. that's the rental manager thing. Yeah. No, it's your fault. You let it go that far. So I'd be like, absolutely. And then if you've got a brother-in-law or something like that or a sister-in-law who's a, a tradie up there or and they can do it and there's some goodwill, mm. but I'd be certainly making sure that you factored into your own budget um, some travel time Oops, yeah. because, you know, if you're spending 400, 500, 600 grand on something, that's a lot of freaking money. And I would be very cautious. Probably, I probably wouldn't do that personally, but I always get this stuff for these ads on Facebook. And gee, they look good. Do they? Oh, I can buy a property, my first home, mm-hmm. no deposit down, oh. no savings, Wow. no bank involved. Wow. How the hell does it work? Oh, I don't mean. Tell me more. I mean, it, it sounds so good, and my limited understanding is, I think somehow the property developer uh, doing it for you or going guarantor or yeah. something, yeah. and they're probably making forty grand off you and selling it at a higher price or something. I don't know. If you're a property developer, I'm sorry for insulting you, but <laughs> there's just been too many of your colleagues that have been snakes. Yeah, look, I've the the clickbait. I've never actually clicked any further to find out the the ins and outs. But the experiences I've had tell me that it is usually unregistered land uh, or off the plan apartments where. No money down means that you're committing to a property or a piece of land and in 18 months, two years 
or sometimes five years in extreme cases, this thing will be registered or complete. Now you've got to transact on it, as in you've got to get your finance and you've got to purchase the property. And the best case scenario is great. I get my finance in order. Um, I haven't had to put any money down, but now I'm committed to this thing and I've got to purchase it and it's now worth more than what I paid for it in the beginning, right? Now that's best case scenario. What developer out there will allow you to put no money down at the beginning? I don't know. There's there's obviously, yeah, when it sounds too good to be true, it, it usually is. Um, the worst case is I, I put no money down and in two years' time or three years' time, it's worth less than what I committed to. Committed to. Now, what are my options? Because uh, I'm bound by a contract that I committed to two years, three years ago. So, I don't know. I just think you can't be old-fashioned savings and doing everything under your control mm. because if you go to these schemes, you're losing a lot of the control. Yeah, yeah. So, worst case... And you're cutting shortcuts. Well, yeah, and, and most, if it's in the case of an, an off-the-plan apartment, for example, it's probably a 5% deposit would be required, no no less. So you'd probably have to put 5% down and some actually ask for 10%. Yeah, but this ad, and this is, I don't know if it's clickbait, um, free property event, Australia's new property control events reveal how you can start making money without having a deposit, a bank loan or any experience. Discover how this new opportunity in property is changing everyday Australians' lives and creating long-term financial security for them and their families. Over the last eight years, this event has enabled thousands of our graduates to do the same thing, like pay off their house, get out of debt, and take their families on holidays. Our graduates come from all walks of life, builders, mums, nurses, and retirees. I don't know how retirees need to get sucked up in this stuff um all are everyday australians and want to take control effect change in their lives benefit from the freedom a little wealth can bring right so so that sounds to me as though um there's a developer or a speculator call them what you what yeah. you will has said okay we've got a parcel of land here that has potentially a hundred lots available yeah, unregistered land. Yeah, it still needs to go into council to get registered to to get get approval to potentially build something on. And I right. use the word potential. Yes. So okay, you put no money down, but you enter into a contract, and and it's simply an option, really. Yeah. To say, well, okay, this land is worth a hundred thousand um, dollars, and on completion, as in it's now registered land, and you can see it and touch it and feel it. Um, it's worth 150 grand, and you've you on sell it, which is basically called a simultaneous settlement, to someone else who pays 150 grand. You've put no money down, and you take a 50 grand profit. Now, obviously, there's a fee. There would be a fee on on that from the developer or the speculator, whoever it be. So, yeah, they're presuming that between the time you commit to it and the time that you own that registered land or about to own the registered land, that it's worth more than what you committed to it two, three years, four years ago. Still use caution? Massive caution. Yeah. Massive caution because ultimately in the end, if you can't settle on it, then you're up for all sorts of legal mm. fees. Mm. Yeah, I'm just – I'm going to keep it old-fashioned and just save up and – Yeah. Um, 
Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, a couple of reviews just to finish up. Uh, and I like this review, John, mm. because um, it's a four star. Is it? Yep. Four Be- out of five. Being considered. Lena, Lena, ballerina. She's from Australia. Hi, Glenn and team. Love your podcast. Easy way to learn about how things are working in Australia. Good tips on managing money and financial decisions. I know you guys don't mind a little constructive feedback, so here's mine. Dear Glenn, I really wish you can let your guests speak up and stop interrupting them. Uh, <laughs> I've been getting better, haven't I? Shut up. I have. No, you've been fantastic today. Listening is a skill, yes, and I'm learning, and I'm sure you'll get there in time. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Cheers. Now, Lena, Lena, ballerina. I'm working on it. Lena, fantastic review. That's actually no, and a lot of my people, favorite okay, review. So, shut up. Firstly... <laughs> My Achilles heel is that small uh, personality defect, if you will. Yours is your freaking nose breathing. Gone. That went years ago. No, no. Okay, I will pay for bilateral septoplasty privately. (laughs) Freaking go and see Dr. Johnston. He's an ENT at North Gosford. He did my nose. Did he? Two grand. You'd be in and you'd be out. Done. But you're in private, so pay the excess and freaking... But it's Lena's review, not yours today. So, that's fantastic. Um, Ballerina. (laughs) Another review from Angry Plantowner. This is interesting. Uh, Two star. Again, I'm commending you on the two star because you just didn't go to one star. Great topics that misses the mark. I really wanted to enjoy this podcast, but the format is messy. The sound effects are annoying. Um, and, and it just felt so unstructured and unprepared. It's just disappointing week after week, listening to it in hopes that it would get great, uh, in hopes that it would get better. But alas, I've given up on this podcast, mm. question mark. Well, well won't email me angry plan towner and I'll give you 100% of your money back. No, but seriously, like we do take these reviews on board. Correct. And it's like we put out a heap of episodes and they're all pre-recorded and lodged and mm. it's really hard to change things fast. Yeah. And probably the disappointing thing for this person in particular is they'll never hear that their review was put Heard. Up. Yeah. So, no, I, I res- you know, if you're just a troll, piss off. But, mm. I mean, good reviews like that um, and they're on Apple. So, if you've got an iPhone and you're listening... Jump on if you haven't given yeah. us a review. and um, But I just want to finish on this one today, John, whatever yeah. your name is. This was an email that I got this morning. Yeah. Hi, Glenn. I just thought I'd pass on my thanks and say what a great podcast. My younger son, Michael, has been banging on about my millennial money for a while. And in all honesty, I had no idea what he was talking about. All I could see was that he has a better understanding about finances at 17 than I have ever had and I'm 53. Anyway, we were driving and Michael got to put on your podcast and wow, if only I had this information when I was younger, my wife Lynn and I would be in a better position uh, than we are now. Nice. Um, So again, I say thanks for helping my son with the advice that he gets from your podcast, general advice. Uh, which has in turn prompted us to do something serious about our finances. Excellent. Cheers, Ian Peters. How good's that? And I did reply and say, thanks, Ian. Do you mind if I share that on the show? He said, no problem. So, thank you so much, Ian and Michael. And um, 
yeah, I'm loving what we're doing. I mean, mm. we can't get it right every time and we certainly don't. No. But again, if this is for you who are out in the sticks in Western Queensland yes. and you're getting money encouragement from us, mm. awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. And I, I'm loving it probably more than when I was 12 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Well, I think, yeah, we we are getting that. We're really finding our voice. Well, I think it's just the engagement, like the who's giving us feedback, good, bad or otherwise. Yeah. Questions, like we know what the view, or the listeners want really now or we hope we do. Yeah, well, I guess before we were just shooting yeah, out there. That's right. But now we've cultivated you as a really cool community and we yeah. can actually uh, give back to you and through the Facebook group, Instagram, and then we meet here and have a chat. Yeah, like today's topic, for example, was based around yeah, what people, people wanted. Yeah, so absolutely. Not what we thought they wanted. All right. See you guys soon. Thanks. If you are after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. In fact, it's a general advice podcast. But if you do want somebody to talk to, jump onto sortyourmoneyout.com and click on get help and I'll be able to put you in touch with an advisor or a mortgage broker who can actually sit down with you or have a Skype or a Zoom meeting and really work out what you need based on your own personal circumstances. My Millennial Money supports A21. A21 is a non-profit organization that exists to abolish slavery everywhere. These guys rescue real people from human trafficking across the world. If you want to learn more about how you can contribute to the fight against human trafficking, check out a21.org forward slash au. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Getter Approach Limited, trading as Sort Your Money Out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. So, I've got a bit of a problem, John. What is it? This music's too annoying. That's the problem. Uh, I've got a problem, John. What is it? Um, I think people use the air conditioners wrong. Right. In their homes, offices, whatever. As in they use it too much? Just wrong. So, if you are if you were really cold... Mm. What, how would you turn your air conditioner on? What, what's your go-to setting? You get home at night, it's freezing. Mm. What's your go-to setting? Oh, look, I don't have a go-to setting. Wrong person to ask. I have a, I have a gas heater to keep me warm. Yeah. And if I'm cold, I... Okay, but if it's in summer... If it's in summer... Yeah, what's your... Or oh, it'd be 24. Yeah. So, and what, you just put it on like high fan 24? Oh, medium. Yeah. Medium 24. 
So, interesting, people when they get like really cold in winter, they just go to their aircon on the side of the wall yep. or whatever, they get the remote, yep. put it on like 28 degrees, yep. high Hoss. fan. Yeah. It annoys me. Where have you established these findings? Oh, I was at a uh, friend's business today. Right. <laughs> they've, <laughs> yeah. they've pumped it up to maximum velocity. Yeah. And so all you need to do, you let the, let the air con do the work. Correct. So put it on a nice 22 degrees, mm. auto fan. Mm. It will make the room a nice 23. Yeah. You don't but, want a room that's 27. But we're in a world now where we want everything now. Aren't we? So that's, that's the right. 28 version. Yeah, that's right. Or, yeah, knock yourself out. Put it on 28, high fan, whatever. But just chill out and then go set it to a nice 23 ambient temperature. Ambient, yeah, on, good word. On auto fan. Yes. Okay, that's all you got to do. <laughs> and did you tell this person? that? The- no, um, but I think... Lene knew that it was too hot in there. Shout out, Lene. Hello, you know, Lene. You know, you know where I was. You're the victim today. Yeah. Um, and we, like, I turned the aircon off that I was sitting in front of and we turned the one down because mm. Lene's like, oh, it's really hot in here. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm turning this off. Yeah. Look, if the truth be told, I rarely use air conditions. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of going. El, El Natural. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the it's stuff that comes at the out time of-, of this recording, it's July. It okay? is. July 1. Yeah. Don't say the date. <laughs> I'm trying to schedule these things. Yeah, okay. Um, yesterday, I saw a photo on a video. You took the kids surfing. Correct. <laughs> Do you I've, get done for child abuse? I've copped a bit of backlash from this. Really? Yeah. Well, not, but not backlash. Yeah. Not backlash. Like I just what just I'm doing say, now. Like, are you a bad parent? No, or? just like... Are your kids nuts? Was it cold? Oh, okay. That sort of well, stuff. I'm not Today, asking about them. Wetsuits. I'm asking you, are you nuts? No. Did you go in the water? Oh, I didn't on this occasion. I yeah. usually would. But was it, was the, it cold though? The water temp was fine. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And we're not talking about being in there for two hours. It was a half hour surf yeah. and then I'll It home. probably does them good though. Fantastic. I mean, and no, like we're not pumping our own tires here, but our, our kids are really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rarely sick or really sick? <laughs> no, rarely, rarely. Because, yeah, it's just, yeah. oh, if you want to surf, go for a surf. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, not for me. No, no. Um, so, Airbnb. Yes. I don't know how to structure this episode because, you know, a lot of people say to us, you're doing it wrong. Mm. There's no structure. So, I just want to get straight into it. Yeah. I don't know what to say now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.